Happy New Year, everyone. With 2020 already off to an optimistic start as efforts to immunize people against COVID-19 are underway, what better interview to showcase right now than our interview with Division 18's immediate past president, Dr. Jack Sai? More on that in a bit. But first, thank you for continuing your membership in Division 18. 2020 shed light on the many pertinent ways that we, public service psychologists, contribute to population health, social justice, and specialized psychological interventions, just to name a few. As we celebrate our division's 75th year, we plan to continue to spotlight our critical roles and in interventions to advance the creation, communication, and application of psychological knowledge in public service settings to benefit society and improve people's lives. And now, on to the episode. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Public Service Psychology Now. We're your hosts, Jen Snyder and Tiffany Fennell. Today, we're interviewing Dr. Jack Sai, past president of Division 18, about his role as a public health psychologist and one of his initiatives during his presidential year. Dr. Sai is campus dean and professor at the University of Texas School of Public Health, as well as director of research in the VA Homeless Programs Office at VA Central Office. He's been very active in Division 18 over the years and served in various leadership roles, including communications cluster chair and president. As president, Dr. Sai focused his initiatives on expanding public service psychology through technology and collaboration. Such a timely and relevant presidential theme. We're gonna talk about that more in a minute, but first welcome and thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Jen and Tiffany. It's great, great to be part of this um, podcast and thanks for asking me. Well, Jack, let's start with um, your work as a public health psychologist. Tell us more about your roles as a public health psychologist. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of in a unique position. Um, so I work for both the VA, federal government, but I also work for the University of Texas. So a state government, essentially. Um, so when you think about public, public service, uh, that's usually about government. And so the fact that I'm both embedded in the VA, you know, the federal government and also a state government, um, I think that lends itself to some unique opportunities to highlight uh, what psychologists can do. Um, I was involved in kind of clinical practice for a number of years in the VA, but now um, I'm mostly involved in uh, research and policy for the VA and then for the University of Texas. I'm involved in kind of teaching as well as research in some kind of state policy as well. Uh, and I'm at a school of public health. So, you know, psychologists are somewhat involved in public health, uh, but not, you know, there's some psychologists that are employed in public health schools, uh, but uh, I'm trying to play my part in highlighting the role of uh, psychologists, the, you know, the role that psychologists can take in public health, uh, and which is now especially an important topic uh, during, you know, the mental like, psychological distress from the COVID-19 pandemic. That's really interesting. Um, so you get to see different facets um, of public service from state level, federal level, um, and also kind of showing the unique roles that psychologists can play in public health um, among amongst other disciplines that are um, traditionally involved in public health. Um, 
speak about COVID-19, can you tell us more about maybe what sort of um, things you're doing specifically in response to COVID-19? Yeah, so it's kind of crazy, but um, so I was at Yale for 10 years and I recently moved to Texas uh, in February. So this is right before the pandemic. And so I came on as the campus dean for, for school public health uh, right before the pandemic. And so since I've started, it's just been one roller coaster of a ride. Um, so one thing we're doing, uh, our local health department, so I live both between uh, Houston and San Antonio, but um, I do a lot of work in San Antonio and the health department um, sometime in the summer was overwhelmed with COVID-19 cases. You know, they just didn't have enough staff uh, to handle the contact tracing case investigation that needs to be done. So they started looking to institutions for help. So uh, I helped our campus obtain a contract um, to basically help them with their contact tracing. So we hired about 130 people in a course of maybe three, four months. Um, and they're now working uh, to help the city of San Antonio with contact tracing um, in conjunction with the health department and also the state. And so that's one thing that's uh, been a huge task uh, that I've had to help oversee. And I, at first I was really hesitant about it because, uh, you know, I didn't know much about contact tracing and that's really within the realm of infectious diseases. But as I thought more about it, you know, as a psychologist, it really, contact tracing is really related to kind of interpersonal skills, uh, be able to build rapport with somebody over the phone because you're, you're either notifying them of a, that they have a COVID-19 infection or getting information from them about uh, where they've been, who they've been with, so that you can track the, the people that have been exposed. Um, so it really does kind of lend itself a little bit to psychology and um, some theories and concepts and uh, methods of uh, related to psychology. So that's one thing that um, certainly has been taking up a lot of my time. Uh, but in addition to that, I'm being involved in research. Uh, we've, for example, we've done several national data collection efforts to understand mental health uh, and substance abuse during this pandemic. Um, and, you know, not surprisingly, finding a lot of uh, mental health problems, increased suicidal ideations. Um, and so we're trying to understand that over time. And I do a lot of work on homelessness. And um, another interesting to think, thing to think about is uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, there's been a federal eviction moratorium, meaning that uh, evictions are basically, you know, they're encouraged not, they're basically not happening if uh, tenants, they have to file certain paperwork so that it prevents it from happening. But it's fascinating that this was issued from the CDC. Uh, you know, evictions is kind of on, within HUD, which is Department of Housing and Urban Development. But the fact that CDC considered this a health kind of risk, related risk, uh, was very interesting. Um, and so since I do a lot of work on homelessness, eviction is related to that. So I've been trying to understand what are the effects of having this eviction moratorium and then what's going to happen really after this eviction moratorium is lifted, which is going to be, I think, due for the end of December. At the moment, the moratorium is going to expire. I don't know if 
Uh, it's going to be extended um, past that, but there's been no word on that yet. So that's kind of two areas, uh, contact tracing, which is kind of like practice and then research. Um, and then with the VA, uh, I'm tracking, trying to understand a little bit about how telehealth, um, how well telehealth is working for homeless veterans because uh, some homeless veterans just don't have access to technologies uh, for telehealth um, and trying to understand a little bit uh, more about how well that's working. Wow, Jack, just hearing all these different areas that you've been working in um, during this pandemic um, is really eye-opening to some of the problems people, especially some of our populations, like homeless um, individuals, um, you know, people without stable housing are facing during this time. And, um, and some of the, the policies that are in place are that may or may not continue and what that might mean for, for health um, and um, or being able to access care during this time, you know, through telehealth and maybe not having a cell phone or, you know, those means to, to engage with healthcare um, really bring to light a lot of these, a lot of these um, really big issues. Yeah, I think psychology has so much to offer um, not maybe in terms of the infectious disease part, uh, although there's some, there's a lot of that is also psychology related, you know, health behaviors, mm -hmm. coming out with the vaccine, you know, there's a vaccine that's coming out. Uh, I mean, the data I've seen show that a majority of people don't want the vaccine. Um, and now there's some uh, results about the side effects, which may further discourage people to seek the vaccine. So you know, I think that's a, there's a psychological component to that for sure. Yeah, imagine. Well, even, oh, go ahead, Jen. Even you can see with the like people wearing masks. You know, that's certainly a health behavior that's you know psychologists could probably contribute a lot of understanding of like why do people not wear masks? Why do you know who is willing to wear masks and those mm -hmm. kinds of things? Absolutely. So, has anything been? Um, I guess especially interesting or surprising to you during this time, given your expertise in public health um, or um, maybe new insights that, um, that you didn't have before? Um, I mean, I think in some ways uh, the pandemic has highlighted, highlighted how resilient and adaptable we are. You know, the fact that we were able to all of us, you know, so many people were able to work remotely and even sometimes have healthcare delivered remotely. Um, the way some businesses have had to adapt, um, it's been kind of remarkable in some senses. But at the same time, you know, the, the flip side of that is we've maybe underestimated the, the unintended consequences of locking down cities, not allowing people to congregate um, you know, we're social creatures. Uh, we like to congregate and get together physically. And so uh, I think we've maybe underestimated the, the effects of that. As a psychologist, I think it's important for us to think about it. It's easy to think about, you know, oh, yeah, we can maintain contact through virtual means. But, you know, I think we've all had the experience that it might not be the same. You know, the, the virtual conferences, 
these academic conferences, they've all gone virtual. I think most people that participated have said, well, it's not exactly the same. There's advantages of it, um, but at the same time, there's, there's disadvantages. Right. Well, you know, you mentioned technology, and I know that, that was one of your presidential themes this year, kind of focusing on, you know, public service psychology and technology and collaboration. And you um, spearheaded a couple of different uh, grants this during your presidential year. I was hoping you would kind of share with us um, some more about those grants and what came, came about from them. Yeah, so during my presidential theme, uh, presidential year, one theme I had was technology, as you mentioned. Um, this wasn't funded by a grant, but uh, we did work, our division did work with several other divisions, I think 10 other divisions, to develop an interdivisional webinar series on technology. And this was in collaboration with uh, the Coalition for Technology and Behavioral Science, uh, CTIBS, um, directed by Marlene Mayhew. Uh, so I think that went pretty well. We had a series of webinars that was attended by hundreds um, of participants. We highlighted some kind of utility, you know, some of the utility with phone apps, but we also had a session on, you know, quote unquote, Zoom fatigue uh, to understand, you know, how to mitigate some of that. Um, so I think that was a nice, it was a nice collaboration between different divisions. Uh, but thinking about the Codapar grant, um, so our division did get a CODABAR grant uh, this past year, um, and it was an interdivisional uh, effort, but Division 18 was the lead, and then we worked with uh, Division 19, 38, and 56. Um, and the topic was around resilience. And so basically I proposed um, developing an interdivisional journal series on resilience. Um, and so working with this other, these other divisions, uh, we were able to get uh, the Code of Par Award to basically develop this series uh, and then have, uh, we're, we're still working on this, but a podcast uh, that maybe you guys can help with uh, to follow up with some of the authors to hear a little bit more about their work. Uh, but I, I picked resilience because I just hadn't seen that much work on it. Um, I wanted to particularly focus on interventions for resilience. Uh, and although we got, we got hundred, we got several hundreds of uh, submissions actually across the different journals, uh, we still didn't get that many um, studies on in interventions for resilience. Uh, so we decided to broaden it a little bit. So it's not specific to interventions, but um, we certainly try to focus on that. But it's broadly on how do you develop resilience and what are the important factors to consider. It's never been so relevant um, than now. It's right. kind of like you were foreshadowing some of this. Um, it's one of your yeah, it was really good. It was really good timing with the technology uh, mm -hmm. project and also the resilience project. Mm -hmm. Well, Jack, you just you do such amazing work, um, and um, you were such a great president and you're still in our role as, um, as part of our presidential trio. Um, but it's been really neat hearing more about what you do kind of day to day, um, which we haven't really gotten to, to hear much about or many of us psychologists who might be working in our clinical roles don't get to um, 
learn much about psychologists who are, you know, um, working in policy um, or working at some of these, like you're doing state uh, kind of federal levels. Um, so it's really impressive. Thanks so much for, for sharing about all that you're working on. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm looking to support both of you guys um, during your presidential term so we can continue to elevate the division and you know, continue some of the great work it's doing. Well, Jack, anything else you want to share with us? Um, nothing I can think of. Uh, a lot of things come to mind, but uh, they're probably too off the cuff to think about. <laughs> We can we can do another podcast episode on some of those other off-the-cuff things. Yeah. And we know you're busy guys, so we'll let you go and get back to all of your really important work. But thank you so much for your time and, um, and your hard work. Thanks for the opportunity. It's been great. Thank you. All right. Well, on that, we will call it, uh, we'll call it an episode. Um, thanks so much, everyone, for listening, tuning in to this podcast series. And remember to subscribe if you want to be uh, receiving these um, episodes in your platform whenever they come out. So thanks again, everybody. Take care. <laughs>